creepy, man. Yeah, it was a strange but interesting show, Judd. <laughs> They're all a little strange and interesting, but this one purposefully uh, so because we have with us, we just wrapped it up and we're now we're standing outside the studio on a beautiful Napa Valley autumn day. Kelly Doran, Napa Valley's Hi, resident. Uh, Hi, folks. How are you? A, uh, uh, what are you? You're an aficionado of horror. For, horror aficionado and uh, monster collector. Yeah, man. So we were talking Halloween, Halloween movies, made-for-TV movies quite yes. a bit. Um, and something, you know, we mentioned a show that I feel like I, I didn't really give it its proper due, and that was Stan Against Evil, which, you know, I talked about. It was hard for me to really get into because I just find the main character so miserable and hard to... It just makes me uncomfortable to watch. But... What I do want to say is I do think that John McGinley, the actor who plays him, is a brilliant actor. I've yes. seen him in tons of things, and he plays him so well. It's almost a testament to how good he is as a miserable guy that it almost makes me not want to watch the show. But, <laughs> but, but I do because it's a, it's a fun story, and it's a fun show, and I admire him and uh, Dana Gould as well. So I do want to get that out there. I wasn't trying to throw it under the bus. <laughs> it, was, it was a good show, and I... And, and, you know, interesting story that has nothing to do with anything. I once uh, was a... I worked at Whole Foods Market. There's a truck going by in Brentwood, California when I was working... Just after I left the Hollywood scene, I knew wine, and I knew I could work in wine there, and I didn't want to leave Los Angeles. So I worked in the wine department, and John McGinley came in once, and we were talking about beer. And I recognized him from other things I had seen, and this is already more than 20 years ago, but I didn't let on that I knew he was a famous dude, and we just had a fun conversation about beer. Oh, that's, that's good. It's probably, probably what he, he's probably very happy with that. Yeah, he was like looking to try something new. A normal and, person. That's right. So, apropos of nothing, except that I, I admire him as an actor and as a, a beer aficionado as well. <laughs> Yeah, I'm really glad you're here. We're going to try to maybe even do this again this season. I'd love to be on. Either on air or as a podcast episode because there's just, there's so much material out there and it's fun to talk about. Barely scratched the surface. Ain't that the truth with those claws of yours. (laughs) Lauren, in the meantime, before we get to the show, we invite you to join Judd and his family's winery on the south end of Silverado Trail. Judd's Hill Winery, located at 2332 Silverado Trail, here in Napa Valley, California, USA. Visiting information is at juddshill.com, or you can call 707-255-2332. That's right. We would love to have you come in. And as long as you're online looking at visiting information, you know, have a look. We've got fun events happening all the time, trips around the world you can join us for, fun videos, kind of quirky stuff, and of course wine you could put some delicious Judd's Hill wine in your shopping cart and what do you think Lauren should we give them a deal for being listeners just type in coupon code JNVS all lowercase letters please no capitals and you'll get 15% off your entire wine order and if that's not enough you can join the Judd's Hill wine club anytime day or night ain't that the truth thank you very much Mr. Lauren Mole and Kelly Dorn appreciate you being here and I think all that's left to say now is boo <laughs> and now, enjoy the show. Judd's Napa Valley Show. Every episode, a veritable cornucopia of Finkel fun. Get ready for another heap full of fascinating things to know from witty and intriguing people on Judd's Napa Valley Show. No stale script and no rehearsing. 
live from Napa studio. You may be that intriguing person on Judd's Napa Valley Show. On Judd's Napa Valley Show. Judd's Napa, Judd's Napa Valley, Judd's Napa Valley Show. Was Clint black? Was Barry white? Was George straight? Was Marvin gay? Sure makes Stevie wonder. And now, live from Wind Down Media Studios at South Napa Century Center, it's Judd's Napa Valley Show. I'm Lauren Bull, and here's your host, John Fengelstein. Thank you very much, Mr. Lauren Bull. That was quite an introduction there. Did you did you write that yourself? Is that your... Uh... That, that was pretty good. That, I like wordplay. I like puns. That was nice. I actually found that on the internet somewhere. Oh, okay. Don't remember which site. It reminds me of that whole somewhere. thing at school where you'd say, you know, what's worse than um, Scooby's do? You know, <laughs> Gilligan's Island. And then you just go on and on and on and on. But very good. How are you, sir? What's happening? Oh, well, today is a very special day for our family because today is my dad Peter Ball Jr.'s birthday. So happy oh, birthday, Dad. wow. Happy birthday, Peter. That's great. I hope you guys are celebrating and going to have some fun and honor him in grand ways. We are. Great. And also, I recently got to emcee a, a BMX event with the, with the help of Donnie Robinson, Alyssa Mancheca, and the whole North Bay BMX crew. Super, super. Uh, I saw a photo of that uh, with you and that gang over there, and that looked like a lot of fun. It I'd was. like to talk to Donnie on the show. I sent him an email a while back. Don't know if he ever got that. Maybe I didn't have the proper email. But if you see him, uh, I'll reach out again. I think he'd be an interesting guy to talk to, an Olympian and a BMX champ and right here in Napa Valley. It'd be kind of fun to hear what that world's all about. I know nothing about it, but I'm intrigued. That's right. And, and this show, right in the theme song, it promises witty and intriguing people. And I have a feeling he might be one or both of those. That's right. And also, I would like to extend a special congratulations to a former member of the KVON, KVYN family, but particularly an alumni of Broadcast Park. Yeah. We would like to congratulate our former general manager and program director, Larry Sharp, oh, yeah. for becoming the new permanent co-host of the Artie Party Hour on Napa Valley TV Channel 28. Yeah, I saw that, too. That's pretty cool. It is. I'll be watching. Cool. Yeah. Sharpie uh, on the couch. That's right. Sitting on the couch, not laying on the couch. Like that, I could, that could have sound like he's in therapy, you know, getting uh, analyzed by a guy with a, a, what all the cartoons is always like a German accent. Tell me about your mother. And he's lying on the couch. No, this is like sitting on the couch next to Artie being the co-host. That's right. Good for Sharpie. Yeah, right so on. Now, the Ed McMahon. The Ed, Ed, Ed McMahon. <laughs> yeah. So now he's making the transition from Andy Richter. Yeah, he's making the transition from radio to television. Okay, it's well, wonderful. We'll have to tune into Artie Party and that's see right. what uh, Artie and Sharpie. Yes, oh, that's a good sure. name, right there, Artie and Sharpie. That's a '70s detective show waiting to happen. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so what's been going on with you, Jeff? First of all, yeah. I have to ask though. Okay. What happened last week? What happened last week? Um, I'm trying to remember. Oh, what happened? Oh, uh, I was down south. I had to go down to Southern California um, to visit family. It, it's we're right in the middle of the they call them the High Holy Days, the the holidays Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, ah. which begins tonight. So, in a nutshell, I am not a Talmudic or rabbinic scholar in any way. So, I'm not giving you by any means uh, definitive answers here. We can dig deeper, but on the surface, Rosh Hashanah is the Jewish New Year, the holiday that marks that. It's the year 5780, according to the Jewish calendar, and my kids actually are very excited 
that they now get to live in the 80s. Because they're they're very into they're very into eighties uh, pop culture music fashion. Those nineteen eighties. So are they? Yeah. Well, we'll see what the fifty seven eighties. Fifty seven eighties. We're gonna find out. Of course, the old joke is it's fifty seven eighty, and for the next week I'll be you know writing fifty seven seventy nine on my checks. <laughs> you know that that joke by the way is five thousand seven hundred and seventy nine years old. So that, that's Rosh Hashanah and uh, is the marking of the new year. So I'm wishing everybody a very sweet, happy, healthy new year, and then. Yom Kippur, which begins tonight, is there, there's a 10-day period between Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur where you're supposed to atone, where you make it right. Anything that you've done against uh, others, you make right. There's, there's, there's no way to absolve yourself except actually asking forgiveness personally to the people you have wrong. So maybe I'll take this opportunity. Dear listeners, if in any way I have uh, offended you or acted against you in some way that you felt was inappropriate, I hope that you will find it in your heart to uh, forgive me. If you feel it's appropriate to let me know, feel free. We can talk about it, but I, I do hope that uh, uh, you will you will forgive me and know that um, I never do anything with uh, intentional malice. So. There you go. So oh, tonight, so that's why you weren't here last week because last week was a repeat show. Yeah, yeah, it was down south. So Yom Kippur is basically when that period is done, it's sealed up. You do your last minute atoning, and you really focus um, on that, and I guess reflect in any way. I'm not going to go any deeper because uh, perhaps I'm not qualified. But that's it in a nutshell. That's where I was. Other than that. Things are good. Harvest is happening, and we've got the barbecue battle coming up, so I want folks to check that out. That's on October 19th. The Napa Valley Education Foundation barbecue battle. Always love that. Delicious food. Plenty of good wine from Judd's Hill, and it, it benefits the Education Foundation's Music Connection Program, which ensures music education in our public schools, and I feel that that is very important. And I won't go much further into it because we've got a guest here it's a certain time of year. I am so excited to have him back. Um, that's a clue. He's been here before. Well, actually, last time he was with us at Broadcast Park. This is true. He's back on the show. Right. For his... You were, last October, you were here several times. Yeah, you, you had me on three times, yes. actually. Three, three weeks in a row. I, I, and I loved every moment of it. So let, let's get to it, shall we, Lauren? Let's chat of shows to make you uneasy and skeevy. Perfect to view on a Halloween Eevee. So tune in to Peep and get a good creep. We're talking horror films made for TV. That's it. Well, thanks, Lauren Moll. So welcome back. It's Kelly Doran. Yes. Kelly, your official title in your professional life is you are the copy desk chief and a wire editor for our very own Napa Valley Register. Yes, I am. Been uh, there for over 20 years. Oh, wow. A long time you've been with that operation. Well, congratulations on that. However, you are also known as not only one of Napa Valley's preeminent, but I would say just out there, you're one of these folks who really knows your horror films. You are an aficionado of the genre, and I like talking to you this time of year. I, I consider myself a horror film fanatic and a <laughs> monster aficionado. I love all sorts of things, creepy and Halloween. I call Halloween my high holy month or October my <laughs> high holy month. And it's just, I get a kick out of it. I'm one of those people that likes to be scared and 
likes to be creeped out and love horror films and so what, everything about them. What are you doing, since you enjoy them year-round, what are you doing specifically for October, your high, your high holy days, as you say? Well, I'm, I'm also an artist. I'm yeah. an illustrator and cartoonist, and I every, Apollo, every October I challenge myself with an exercise called, that I call 31 Days of Monsters. Where every day I do a different drawing of a different monster from mythology, folklore, um, cryptozoology. I love the multicultural yeah. aspect of this too, because you draw from all over the world these legends. I do, and, and I, 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 I kind of think of myself as a monster collector. I love, I love the idea of just. Every culture has different monsters and creatures that go bump in the night. And they've, you know, the boogeymen from different cultures, the, the creatures that parents would tell their kids, be better or the <laughs> fill in the blank is going to come and get you. Yeah. Every culture has them. And every, they're, they're I mean, even up to the modern day, even, even Napa Valley has its own legendary monster, the Rebob. And it's, oh, it's the just something that everybody, every culture has. And it's, it's kind of, it's just an interesting idea that we, even though we're rational beings, we still jump at shadows and yeah. we still, you know, blame strange creatures for the problems in our <laughs> lives. And it's just fascinates me. And they're very inventive. If you look into monsters of other cultures or you... See my 31 Days of Monsters? There are some very odd creatures out there. Can I bring one up right now? Yes. This is Vampire Pumpkins <laughs> from the, the Balkans, the Romani of the Balkans. And I'm looking at your book right now, which is called 31 Days of Monsters, drawing by Kelly, drawings by Kelly Doran. And uh, it, it talks about, and it's a very, actually, this is a humorous photo. I like this one. It's of a, a fellow being... Looks like a, a pumpkin has been launched at his face, and a tooth is coming out. And it's—I I hate to laugh at his misfortune, but it's just kind of funny being attacked by a pumpkin, like attack of the killer tomatoes or something. There's a pumpkin, but it says that a pumpkin kept longer than a week, or kept after Christmas, can become a vampire. <laughs> and the pumpkin will move about the house at night by itself, and hurt people by crashing into them repeatedly. So that's what the photo is, or the, not the photo—the the illustration that you've. Uh, drawn of this and I gotta say I am so glad that this is not true <laughs> at least not here in my neighborhood I, I can vouch that this does not actually happen I, I can sleep assured I don't know about the other 30 monsters in here but this one I, I can debunk because I think we threw away our Halloween pumpkins uh, th last year's Halloween pumpkins this year after 4th of July. <laughs> yeah. A couple <laughs> of years ago, I there. kept the pumpkin around. And we're here. We're not walking <laughs> among the uh, undead, which is also a funny phrase, which we should talk <laughs> about. But I don't want to go too far off topic here. Yeah. yeah. there's. I mean, there's strange creatures. One of my favorite that I've ever drawn is, I believe it's just, I can't remember the exact name of it because I've, I literally in, I've got, files on my computer of thousands of monsters that I still have yet to draw. Oh, wow. So I've got, everybody asks me, are you going to run out of monsters? And I said, I don't think that's possible. No, no. Because you've, 
there's just too many. There's so many monsters and you have like a plethora of books to be made. You can do yeah. one of these books every year, you know, yeah, the 31 I, days. I well, as long as we're talking about it quick before we get into our discussion of movies, I really like this book. It, it, not only are your drawings delightful, whimsical, monstrous. I mean, they're, they're really cool. They, they bring to life some of these legends I've never heard of. So it's educational as well. It's, you get a little multicultural uh, uh, infusion. Uh, you can. I, I love travel. I talk about it all the time. So this is a good way to travel to other cultures yeah. uh, without actually leaving home. So how, if someone would like to see this or have his or her own copy... How would one get 31 Days of Monsters by Kelly Doran? Uh, the books are available at blurb.com. They're a print-on-demand publisher. Mm. And if you look up my name, Kelly Doran, K-E-L-L-Y-D-O-R-E-N, that'll take you right to the page, and you can order your very own copy of 31 Days of Monsters. Okay, now... And after this year, I will put up another 31 Days of Monsters. Every year, I will add to the library that is... The 31 Days of Monsters collection. I love it. Oh, and Instagram. You put them up there, too. And your Instagram handle, if folks want to follow along, is kelly.doran. Correct. The spelling that you just gave. I put the monsters up daily at kelly.doran or at at kelly.doran on Instagram. Okay. And um, you can follow along there and then get the book on Blurb. Is your uh, Napa High Rebobs logo up there? That That is something that it I is. lament. I... I didn't, uh, I wasn't, you know, personally involved in the whole, you know, shift from the Indians to the Grizzlies, I think is what the, it became. Yes. And I will, you know, support my local teams however I can. But I got to say, I was deep down inside really rooting for them to choose. Once it was decided, we're changing the mascot. I thought, okay, well, now here's a chance then. We can, we, we not me at all, we as a community, I suppose, or the people... Uh, the powers that be over there at Napa High could choose something that really reflects Napa. Yeah. And nowhere else. Exactly. And still have a mascot that is fierce. Right. And a little scary and intimidating and have a story behind it that speaks only to Napa. To Napa. It and you been came up with it. Specifically Napa. I yeah. created a logo for the Napa High Rebobs and mm -hmm. I thought this this would be genius. If we have to replace the logo, yeah, um, which it seemed it, to me, it felt time. Maybe we needed a little bit of oomph for the 21st century, something mm -hmm. a little bit different. I thought the rebob would have been great because it was nowhere else. <laughs> no, and would it have the rebob as a mascot? And it was something that I mean, my my. Well, my design for it would have struck fear in other teams, I thought. You know? I love it. It's out there. I've, I've seen it on yeah. on things. I think some t-shirts um, were made or some other... There's a local uh, composite bicycle racing team that asked me if they could rework the logo and use it as, their, uh -huh. as the logo. So now it's out there in different colorways as a mascot for the composite... Bicycle racing team. That's so. great. I, I'm, I'm putting in a commission. I, I just want to, I want a shirt for sure. <laughs> I want your original logo on a, on a shirt, just the Napa Rebobs. And people can ask me about it and I'll tell them I'll buy it. And the Rebob briefly, because I do want to get into the film discussion, but why don't you tell everyone if they haven't heard already and they don't know what the local Napa, I'm going to say, I, I don't know for sure, but I'm, but I'm just going to say monster of legend that re resides here. Maybe 
it's beyond legend. Maybe it's maybe facts. It's, Some people believe. But I'm just going to say, I'm going to put it in the legendary uh, category. What is a rebob? A rebob is a flying monkey that supposedly, or flying monkeys, there could be many of them, that live up in the uh, cemetery at the end of Partridge Road. Um, they're supposed to have either been created by a mad scientist or a secret <laughs> government base that's up at the end of Partridge Road. And kids have been telling their you know each other about that since before I was born, probably. And do these monkeys not have fangs to viciously oh, attack no, and suck fangs, blood? And yes, they attack. Yeah. And if you go up there um, after dark, you you run the risk of encountering the rebobs that will swoop down out of the trees and slash at you with their claws and fangs. Okay, well, consider yourselves warned, dear listeners, <laughs> of the rebobs of Partrick Road. All right, man. Let's let's get into your uh, forte here of being a horror film aficionado. Now, you were you came in and sat with us uh, for two conversations specifically about horror movies last mm-hmm. year, and then you sat in and kind of co-hosted with me when we talked to Norman Cabrera, who's yeah. a noted, uh, well-known special effects guy in yeah. Hollywood. And since you had more of the expertise, you could help guide that conversation. We had a lot of fun. I really enjoyed our conversation. So. This year, I wanted to have you back, and we, you, I think, came up with the idea. Like, let's let's talk about made-for-TV, as Lauren alluded to in his uh, intro there. Made-for-TV horror films yeah. and TV series. Yeah, every, um, you know, we talked about the horror films, like movies that, you know, all the way from, you know, classics to movies that were coming out of the time, and I thought it would be kind of interesting to talk about um, TV shows in the horror genre or made for TV movies because there's been a lot of those over the years and mm-hmm. a lot of TV shows that people tuned into on a weekly basis to get thrills and chills. So I thought, yeah. you know, it'd be interesting to talk about some of those. And right now it seems like we're kind of in a era where horror is now a genre that, uh, TV companies and stations are, just they're investing in like gangbusters with yeah, Walking Dead and other TV shows like that. Supernatural, they're they're very popular. They're very hot TV shows nowadays. Now, as much as I've in the past have enjoyed horror movies, and I think we talked about this last year. You know, in high school, uh, I threw these parties. A buddy of mine and I called the Horror Fest, and we'd watch three movies in a row, like all our friends, and then we'd have quizzes about yeah. them and prizes, and had tons of fun. I've kind of fallen out. You know, I used to get Fangoria magazine and learn yeah. the special effects. And I, I loved that. And I loved making gory stuff on myself and grossing out friends. Not so much anymore. I've, I've found that I have, I don't know, maybe it's age, maybe it's fatherhood. Maybe it's, I feel there's enough stresses in the world. I don't like being scared. Right. I don't like feeling tension and I certainly don't like violence and gore. Right. Like I like the Halloween you know, the, the, the old, old, old fashioned Halloween, you know, ghosts and goblins, uh, peeking out of windows and that type of, I still have fun with that. But what I will tell you, I have made time for recently. I, I don't get a, a, many opportunities to sit down and watch movies. I just, it's just, I don't know. Life's kooky, but the comedy horror genre, comedy horror, I have very that, popular. that is what I've put myself into because it satisfies this, you know, within me, ancient, uh, <laughs> love, you know, going back maybe 30 years of the horror movie genre, 
but I also get to laugh right. and release a little uh, steam that way, which is the way I prefer. Well, and the comedy horror dynamic is is popular because you know movies seem to be and you know any sort of media, whether it's TV or movies, tend to be the horror tends to be delivered best when there's a little bit of a release at the same time mm-hmm. where there's, you know, you get, you know, you laugh and then you scream you huh. know, or you, you know, they kind of balance that. And some, some shows like, I mean, one of my favorite movies, uh, horror movies of all times is Shaun of the Dead. Oh yeah. That's Simon a good Peg one. Because it's, it's comedy and it's horror. Um, you know, I mean, American Werewolf in London, that had comment, comedic elements in it. That and spoke to me as a kid. I don't know how I got to see that when I, when I, I think it came out, I was probably like nine or 10. And I, of course, somehow I got my hands on a video cassette when it was a rental, yeah. scared the heck out of me. But I also had some laughs along yeah. the way and in, enjoyed the story. Because there was very much with American Werewolf in London, it was made by people that had were well-versed in horror and the werewolf legends and we're kind of poking fun at the conventions of, you know, werewolves at the same time. And that's kind of fun, you know, when like Scream, the movie Scream was popular because the characters knew that there were these weird kind of conventions mm. of slasher movies. So they kind of poked fun at them yeah. at the same time. Self-aware. There were really, you know, frightening you know, scary parts to those movies. And uh, I suppose American Werewolf in London, I think about it, you know, John Landis. Exactly. That was the director, and he had done Animal House and Kentucky yeah. Fried Movie and these, you know, classic comedies yeah. uh, and, as well. And you know, well-versed in comedy and mm-hmm. apparently well-versed in horror, too, so. Yeah, yeah, that's good. So why don't we talk about, uh, if you don't mind, what, no. can we start where I like? <laughs> can sure. We, can we start in my neighborhood, sure. the horror comedy? I've made a point to uh, seek out this month, um, in preparation of talking to you, uh, find some time to sit down and explore what's out there. And I got to say, I I didn't even know this existed until I just sat down to look and see what was out there. That one of my favorite movies of all time had been turned into a TV series. Like I had no clue. And that is what we do in the shadows. I love that movie. Oh my goodness. I, and I, I, you know, I'd heard about this. I'd heard I actually kind of mixed reviews when it first came out. So I didn't see it till maybe a couple of years after it came out, which is maybe a couple of years ago at this point. And I pulled it up on whatever streaming service it was on, had a few minutes to uh, sit down and watch a movie. I was alone in the house and I was laughing so hard <laughs> that I was crying and my face hurt. And usually it takes like seeing something in an audience to build that energy right. with, within me, like to feed, like a, like a vampire, feed off their energy, right? <laughs> to get me to that level of, uh, you know, it's hysterical. Yeah. Jermaine Clement yes. from Flight of the Concords. Yes. And Taika Waititi from, uh, he's the director of Thor Ragnarok. Yes. And it's just, it's such a great movie about vampires. Yeah. It's as an independent brilliant. film from New Zealand, what we do in the shadows, yeah. these vampires that live in a house and dealing with modern day stuff that most of us have to deal with too. And it was hilarious. So I was so pleased to see that there was a spinoff series yeah, made by the same guys. Yeah. I mean, written, directed, conceived yeah. of by the same crew. Yep. And it's, it's just as good as the t- as the movie. It's hilarious. There's three, it's kind of even funnier cause they, the vampire roommates are living in Staten Island. Yeah. 
which <laughs> is just that's uh, encountering their Staten Island neighbors mm-hmm. as these centuries old vampires who are just fish out of water, can't seem to manage <laughs> in daily life, just expect everybody to you know fear them and revere them like they did in the old country. Right. But they're living in Staten Island now and nobody can really bo- be bothered to care about them anymore. That's that's right. That and 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 there's the springboard from which the <laughs> hilarity ensues. And what I kind of liked about it is I mean I got hooked on it right away just cuz it was so funny, but there wasn't really a story arc that you had to follow. No. There, a little. I mean it was pretty thin. It was really like old sitcoms where each like I think friends each episode was called the one where right. this happens and the one where this happens. So that was, that's what, what we yeah. do in the show. Okay. Here's the one where they go into the city. Here's the one where they, you know, do something, you know, go to a, or have a party, you know, <laughs> and crazy things happen. And it's, it, I can't recommend it highly enough. I feel it's like great. I'm their ambassador. My favorite character, new character, new formulation of character on the show is the energy vampire, the roommate Colin. <laughs> yes. Colin is hilarious just because I've known Colin. <laughs> yeah. We're not going to do spoilers. It's explained right in the beginning, but one of the vampires in this crew is not a bloodsucker. He's an energy vampire. And I think you're right. We have all known <laughs> these types of people who just, they sap the energy out of you. They talk to you. They're boring. They don't stop. And in this iteration, this is how he feeds off you. And you don't die. You just fall asleep eventually. And he <laughs> moves on. Lose energy. And there'll be a person just kind of like staring into space. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> really, really a funny take on it. You know, oh, gee, I just noticed we got to take a break. I was getting so into this. So hold on, gang. We're going to continue talking. Uh, we'll wrap up a little about what we do in the shadows. We'll move on to... Uh, some other fun series and made-for-TV movies in the horror uh, genre. So stick around. We're here with Kelly Doran, noted horror film enthusiast. You're listening to Judd's Napa Valley Show. We'll be right back after these messages. Everyone's a Fingal friend on Judd's Napa Valley Show. Want to hear this episode again as well as past episodes? Subscribe to our podcast. Search for Judd's Napa Valley Show in the iTunes store. Now, back to the show. Thank you very much, Mr. Lauren Mole. I'm here with Kelly Doran. Um, he is our resident horror movie fanatic. And we're talking, right now we're talking made for TV and we're in the comedy horror genre. We were just kind of talking about what we do in the shadows, the film and the TV series. And maybe we should move on. But I just want to say to folks, I cannot recommend it highly enough if you'd like to laugh and a little bit of scare. And watch it on a, on a TV screen. I watched a couple episodes on my phone, and it's kind of dark. Right. A little hard to see what's going yeah. on. Oh, actually, you have something you want to give away, don't you? Oh, yes, I do. Um, yeah, what do you got there? You, got, you have a zipped-up backpack in. with mystery inside. I'm, I brought in. It's a very heavy gift to give away. Yeah. It is. Um, you, we all know that the 2014 earthquake did a lot of damage in Napa. And yeah. one of the uh, victims of that was the old Napa Valley Register building. 
and where when, you've worked for where I worked for many years mm-hmm. and still work, but we have a new office. And when the old building was being torn down to make way for the Register Square building, uh, we asked them to save some of the bricks from oh. the out exterior of the building. So I have whoa, look at a that. brick that is that's from the old Napa Valley Register. That's a re- that's a brick. That's incredible. Uh, it can be used as a doorstop. It can be used <laughs> as a candelabra for four candles. That's true. There's four it, holes drilled in it. It could be used um, as a pen holder. So I'm giving that to Judd. Thank you. Judd can give that away to a lucky listener. Yeah, be the first to tweet at. I'm trying to think. What's, we don't call us getting your hands on Judd's goodies anymore. But we just still be need the, to come up with a new uh, name. I know we do. What's we going do, on? We're gonna we're gonna just be just be the first to tweet with the hashtag JNVS for Judd's Napa Valley Show and include at Judd's Hill. So I see that and just say I want the brick. And if we get one more of these, this could be like a menorah for Hanukkah because you need oh, eight. I didn't think about that. And we'd 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 find a way to put the ninth candle. But that's pretty cool. Uh, thank you for this piece of history. This <laughs> is a brick from the original register. It probably is very old too yeah uh, at least the 1970s oh okay well that's so. very old as far as i'm concerned i'm from i'm from at least the 1970s yes. do we want to talk about the 1970s uh horror movies sounds, do we want to talk good. about any more comedy genre or um, the, should we move on there are some other comedies let's briefly give there. a couple uh, others yeah there's stand against evil okay stand which, against evil is worth mentioning yeah it's uh it's actually i think the uh, creator of that is um Dana Gould. Dana Gould, exactly. Dana Gould Made is a, out of my head for a moment. He's a comedian who I've admired for many years. A TV writer. He used to write for The Simpsons, produce The Simpsons. A very funny guy. Very smart guy. A great podcast too yes. called The Dana Gould Hour, which is usually three hours long. Yeah. But you can tell that he believes in in this. Yes. He loves Halloween, ghost stories. And he's a very funny guy. Yeah. So yet again, another one of those uh, people that is well versed in comedy and horror. Mm-hmm. So he can bring those two things together very well with Stand Against Evil. Yeah, it's a it's a cool concept. I watched the first season. I I'll admit I wanted to like it more than I actually did, but I did like it, and I'm probably eventually going to go on to season two and three. My thing is characters, and right. the main character is such a miserable guy. Like I actually didn't like watching him that much, even though. He was, you know, driving the story for right. like, oh, this guy's so miserable. I'm uncomfortable watching him. I think that was my biggest <laughs> beef. But it's a retired sheriff in a town. Uh, he's the only sheriff in 300 and something years that has not died while in office because there's a curse. And that's kind of how it all unfolds. And the new sheriff is in town and they are trying to get to the bottom of things and defeat the evil that lives in their town. Yeah. Did I, was that an encapsulation That's enough? A very good encapsulation of that, that show. And laughs do ensue. Yes. And Things I just ca- get a little ridiculous. Very ridiculous. And I did enjoy that. I think on purpose, there's a lot of low budget looking special yes. effects, which I appreciated. It showed yeah. that they didn't take themselves too seriously, but and they wanted to put these characters in there. They didn't kind of do the cheesy CGI, no. you know, the, the poorly done CGI. You know, I think Dana Gould has a, a appreciation of practical special effects, so he puts those into the show. Yeah, you know, some of these monsters that appear demons, you, you can tell they're puppets, it's, and or and, a guy in a rubber suit. Yeah, and they and it's on purpose, <laughs> and they definitely use the effect of at the end of the show, like, ah, oh, it's over. And then a creature pops yes. out. Like that's almost every episode. It's, yeah, it's not quite over. <laughs> exactly. 
So I do get or a kick out of it. the end with the question mark. Yes, that's exactly it. So I will, even though I wanted to like it a little more, and it really, it's just, I think that character makes me so uncomfortable. <laughs> I will recommend for folks to go take a look at Stan. That's the guy's name, Stan right. Against Evil. Any other horror comedy that you want to mention before we move on to just straight ahead horror? Um, not, not really. No. I mean, okay. we do live in a time where there's, if you, if you like scary movies and horror movies, we live in a great time for TV because every station, every channel is looking for content. So yeah. they're... They're willing to take a chance on things. Some of them, they last longer. Some of them are, you know, flash in the pan. They maybe get one season, but it is out there. Is, and there, is there something that's a flash in the pan that you've seen that you recommend? I mean, most people know about Walking Dead, uh, Stranger Things. Um, I, a lot of my stuff that I really like is the older stuff. Um, I just, I have, I've got like this this nostalgia bug with me. I like... I mean, I I think that there's so much stuff in the past that is just it's fabulous. I mean, some of the but some of the modern stuff that I like, Netflix has been able to do a couple of shows that I love, um, and they're working on a second season. The first season, The Haunting of Hill House, was an amazing horror, scary, heartfelt. It was it was a ghost story, but it was it was heartbreaking too. Hmm. And they're working on another season, um, different story, different actors. There, it's it if they can if they can hit the mark that they hit with the first season, the haunting of Hill House. The second season will be amazing too. Okay. Um, that's one of the things I'm looking forward to the most right now is that because it's just it was really good and it was very heart. It was it had a lot of heart. For being a... Okay, good to know. I have it in my queue. I haven't yeah. watched any of the episodes yet, but Haunting of Hill House. You mentioned being nostalgic, and a few moments ago, you also mentioned 1970s. Is there, yes. is there uh, anything of that yes. era that's worth mentioning? I'm, I'm a child. I grew up in the 70s, um, born in 1969, so I was watching all these shows when they came on. Um, I remember the thing that I, I fell down a rabbit hole the other day uh, looking up um, made-for-TV horror films yeah. from back in the 70s and 80s even. And just this wave of nostalgia hit me as I remember sitting down to watch. You know, my dad loved horror films, so he saw no problem with his son, his impressionable son, sitting down <laughs> and watching movies that come might on. have been a little bit beyond me at the time. Instead of sitting down for the baseball game, like, come right. on, son, let's... Uh... This is your bonding. It's horror let's, movies. Let's watch, you know, the house that dripped blood. Let's do that. That's that's a great. <laughs> Lauren, afternoon. are you familiar with that one? He's shaking his head. No. no. Um, okay. <laughs> made for TV movies. It's kind of odd because nowadays, you know, we have so many channels. So much stuff is made for TV. But back in the day, there'd be these you know, movies that were made literally just for TV, and that was a big thing. But they had, you know, like. One of my favorite made-for-TV movies from the '80s is *Dark Knight of the Scarecrow*. Oh, I don't know it's, that one. It's it's very it's a great Halloween movie. It a great tale of revenge in a small town. Um, very creepy. Has Charles Durning in it and Larry Drake. Just a very creepy with visuals of this vengeful scarecrow either is it somebody that you know is just pretending to be somebody that has passed away or is it really the ghost 
of this wronged individual. Um, very that sounds good. creepy. That sounds good. <clears throat> There's also uh, movies like Duel, Steven Spielberg. Oh, yeah. Very kind of a chilling idea of this driver going across country and ending up in this battle of wills between him and a psychopath in a semi-truck. Who you never see. You Faceless. never see him. This film... Is very effective, uh, so much so that I was. It was used as an example in a filmmaking class that I took to showcase the importance of editing. Yes, because there's really no dialogue in the movie. I mean, very little. It's it's yeah. it's a guy, Dennis Weaver, right? Exactly. Is that who that was? Yes. It was Dennis Weaver on a kind of desert or country rural it's like road, a Dotson or something. Yeah, you know? being menaced by a semi truck. Yeah, and there's really not much dialogue and it's just editing between these two yeah, and it was and it's uh, Steven Spielberg, Steven Spielberg's like kind of his, the movie that kicked off his career. Yeah. Pre jaws. Yeah. That showed people, Hey, this guy actually has some ideas and yeah. some skills. Yeah. So editing made that movie for sure. Yeah. There's, um, duel uh, is the name. Yes. Duel. duel. Yeah. Uh, there's a movie, great monster movie from the seventies, gargoyles with Bernie Casey, the ex NFL, uh, player. He plays a monster, a gargoyle. Turns out that the gargoyles that are on cathedrals are actually like stone symbols of actual creatures that now live in the desert of the of the American Southwest. Wow! And um, it's just it's got some great man in the rubber suit costumes, <laughs> and it's just it's kind of a hoot. And it's something that I think every kid of my generation remembers seeing at least a little bit of that movie. And they remember like, oh, oh, I remember that movie. That scared the heck out of me. Um, I'm going to have to look for that one. Yeah, it's really good. And then there's uh, a movie that you really cannot find anywhere. And I don't know why you can't find it. I have I always try and watch things by any legal channel that I can. That, mm-hmm. you know, I, if I can download it on iTunes, if I can download it on Amazon, if I can buy the DVD, I'd much rather have the physical actual ID the the object um for my collection but sometimes you just find movies that won't they just dropped off the face of the earth oh, well, I can't find, wait to hear where you're going with this it's a movie called Bermuda Depths Bermuda and, Depths and it was created by uh, Rankin and Bass oh the Rudolph people, the Red-Nosed Reindeer yes. Frosty the Snowman but it's live action it's a live action movie about a a spirit of vengeance from the sea known as Jenny Hanover, who shows up and there's these shipwrecks that are caused by a gigantic turtle that she somehow has a psychic connection to. This is what we need the webcam. Lauren's face (laughs) right now. Lauren has the most puzzled look on his face right now. That's exactly the adjective. And I'm not talking about Gamera, the the flying turtle from Japanese Japanese, movies. This is, it's, it's a weird movie. I remember seeing it when I was a kid and you just can't find it anywhere. There's like... I think like it was released on DVD in Europe and now you can find a region, whatever DVD of it. And it goes for like $900 oh, on boy. eBay because All right, well, I'm going to put the call out uh, to our <laughs> listeners. If anybody would like to become instant best friends with <laughs> Kelly Doran, find a copy of Bermuda depths uh, for him or invite all of us, Kelly and Lauren and myself to a viewing party. And uh, if you happen to have a copy, and we'll we'll all come and we'll have a good time. It, that movie starred uh, Bert, uh, had it didn't star because it starred some younger people, but 
in the cast that had Burl Ives and Carl Weathers. So <laughs> that uh, I haven't seen the movie. I probably will hate it when I see it again, but you can't find it anywhere. Oh, okay. Even, yeah, it's just one of those movies. That's, that's your unicorn, huh? Yeah, right now it is. Yeah, right. it's... it's it's just one of those things. I would love to see the movie to see if it measures up to what I remember. How about, can we talk about a movie that, although I, I haven't, I never saw it until very recently. I'm talking about this past week. Mm. had an effect on me as a little kid and that's Salem's lot. And I'll talk about why it had an effect on me. Okay. Uh, yeah, but that's great. Stephen King. It's based on Stephen King, yeah. directed by Toby Hooper, a yes. Texas Chainsaw Massacre, made for TV. Mm-hmm. It's a three-hour. Was it was it a miniseries originally, or was it a one three-hour <clears throat> chunk of movie? It was originally. I think it was a two-parter. Okay, two-parter. So I think it was probably about an hour and a half, hour forty-five minutes. Okay, each. each night. Okay, David Soul stars. Um, right. You got Bonnie Bedelia. You've got. Mm-hmm. Uh, some great actors like uh, Jeffrey Lewis, who yes. who did a lot with Clint Eastwood, uh, exactly. High Plains Drifter. But I knew him great best as actor. as his buddy in the Any Which Way. It was like the orangutan Clyde and Jeffrey Lewis yeah. with Clint Eastwood. Really nice Isn't guy. That? Nice guy. You knew him. I met him at uh, WonderCon years ago, oh, and he just seemed that? like a very nice guy. Like just thought sitting down with fans was a great afternoon. So oh, cool, yeah. cool. And of course, the um, well, it is a vampire film, so the vampire's familiar. The human assistant, the Renfield, basically, is played by a very buttoned-up James Mason. Yes. It was fun to see him in that role. James Mason is—he's yeah. got that great voice. Oh, phenomenal! Yeah, and his presence on the screen. Yes. And there were some scenes where I noticed he—he he didn't make eye contact with the people he was talking to, and I. I I think it it made it all the, the creepier. I'm sure it was a deliberate decision on his yeah, I think part. Probably, you know, it's yeah, just to kind like of separate himself. He like, knew he knew what he was doing. Uh, anything you want to say about this one? Uh, that is that's actually a movie I really love. I love watching the two parter because there's there you can find a condensed two hour movie version of it, and it cuts out some scenes. But the the original two-parter is it's just it's great made for tv movie and it was a well it was a well put together adaptation of stephen king yeah um i have not read the original story but it's that's one of my favorite stephen king books okay because it there's a lot of characters that got cut out because they were kind of extraneous Mm -hmm. for the 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 production but um and also Stephen King's books are super dense and they're very mm-hmm. large books. So this was like his quintessential vampire book. Yeah. So, but it's, it's a great movie and it was actually filmed in California. Oh, it was, it was the little main up town on the coast. I believe a town called Lolita, California, which okay. is, it's up above Mendocino. Hmm. And it was actually the location where they filmed a uh, Halloween three season of the witch as well. Oh, so, wow. That town's got a rep. Yeah, um, I did get a kick out of it. I've, you know, I don't know if time has um, treated it well. It's now forty years since it came out. Uh, just in the sense that I, I didn't feel the, the the tension that I might have felt mm-hmm. back then. Maybe I've seen too many other um, a lot of establishing shots, a lot of slow 
here I hear somebody walking down a hallway. Here's some, and not in a creepy way, just like he's going to his room or a lot of padding. Here's a car <laughs> driving away. Yeah, a lot of padding. So like, Ooh, can we get on with this? I, I really liked the look when you, when the vampires appear. I did like the the creepy the way the eyes kind of glow and the fangs were slightly curved like really creepy but there was something about seeing you know it was a little it, it took away uh, let, let's see how to put it it's hard to be terrified by like okay the idea of a of a kid vampire fangs you know, bearing fangs, the glowing yellow eyes, floating in the mist outside the window, beckoning the victim mm-hmm. to come. That's pretty creepy. But when that kid has one of those 1970s Peggy Fleming bowl haircuts, <laughs> he looks like he is more more at home on the Lido deck of the love boat than yeah. as a terrifying creature of the night. I couldn't quite be scared by that. Yeah, the, the 1970s parted down the middle hair. Yeah. It's kind of cut back and feathered. Not really that menacing anymore. No, no. But I do remember, like, you know, being able to, like, freak out people by being outside a window and scratching on the window oh, yeah? to kind of freak out friends. And, you know, that, that, that to me, it's still effective. But then I have, a, I have an ability to, like, mentally put myself back into the mindset when I first watched it. I mean, those creepy movies are still creepy to me. I still yeah. love that. There's no doubt. And I, I did enjoy watching it. I'm glad I finally saw it after all these years. And the reason, oh, we're going to have to go here pretty soon. Oh. But the time that that movie came out, we we had started our business up here in Napa Valley. But uh, my family, part of my family had moved up. And my immediate family was just about to make the move. So at the time, we were still in West Los Angeles. And our immediate next door neighbor, like the next driveway, was David Soul. Oh, wow. And so I would be over there actually pretty often. I was friends with his kids, or stepsons, I think. And uh, I'd be swimming, and I went to a Starsky and Hutch cast party. And then, and I've got some funny stories about that, but we're running out of time. But I remember that he's starting on the billboards were everywhere at that time. And it was, it scared the heck out of me. And then I actually was a little scared to go over to his house, even though I hadn't seen the movie. I'd seen the billboards, this creepy vampire. And it's a David soul. I'm like, I'm not going over there anymore. (laughs) It had had an effect on vampires. I'm sorry. I can't hang with you anymore. And finally I saw it just this week and. I probably should have headed over there a few more times for some last laughs before we moved. They remade that, um, I think probably like maybe early 2000s again with Rob Lowe. Yeah. Uh, It's not worth it. Not happening. Yeah. We've run out of time. Oh, wow. We're going to have to do this again. Let's talk about before the end of the month having you back. And we'll we'll keep going because I enjoy it and I think it's very um, appropriate for the time. I did bring something. I know you go nuts for donuts. So I've got donuts, but I also have spooky cookies. I have (laughs) jack-o'-lantern sugar cookies that you can take a look at right now. Kelly Doran (laughs) can be found on Instagram at kelly.doran. And um, blurb.com, search that same name, K-E-L-L-Y-D-O-R-E-N, for his book, 31 Days of Monsters, drawings by Kelly Doran. And I thank you for joining us uh, for this uh, creepy show. And we will continue. And uh, what do you got? Jack-o'-lantern. Jack-o'-lantern cookie. Enjoy. Bon appetit. Creepily. This is Lauren Mole speaking for Judd's Napa Valley Show, a Gil Lamar production.